<laughs> That's what it was, Shirley. Good morning, everybody. It is good, good to see everybody. Uh, if, if you've watched this on Facebook and kept up with us, let you know this is the largest crowd we've had in quite a long time. Uh, we've been having about seven people here. Uh, thank y'all for social distance. A couple of things I need to cover with you right quick as we get started. Uh, I want to share with you. Be sure you social distance. Our invitation time will be totally different than we're normally used to. Uh, the altar is always open, but if you do come down to the altar, remember it's still, we have to keep six foot apart, so please remember that. Uh, I thank you for all that you've been doing and, and, and the situation we've gone through has been pretty rough. Uh, another thing, there'll be no family night for the extended amount of time because if you think family night is eating like at a buffet style restaurant and those are not allowed so we won't be doing family night for quite a while just bear with us we'll continue to get through with this uh just it's been a blessing uh god's done a lot of great things during this time and, and i know he's still going to continue and i'm so glad everybody's here this morning let's get started with a word of prayer and we'll get into everything that's going Say, on I have an yes ma'am if you happen to have any of the books from Easter that we did not get to do. If you could please return those to me because they belong to my daddy. <laughs> All right, so if you was in the choir got that, please get it back to us. We got, I think, a total of three here that I know of. There's some in the box. Not, yeah, the box too. All right, let's have a word of prayer and let's get started. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for this wonderful day. Father, as we come, I praise you for all that you do. Lord, as you've seen us through this time, dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray that you help us through this season of it. Thank you again for, for being with us, Lord, and watching over us, Lord, and keeping everybody safe. Lord, I pray for those of our church family that are sick. Lord, I pray for those of our church family that are unable to come for different reasons. I ask you to be with them, dear Heavenly Father, Lord. And this morning as we come, thank you for allowing us to be in your house to worship. Father, I pray for all those that are listening to us, dear Heavenly Father, and watching us. I ask you to bless them in a mighty and wonderful way. Lord, just again, we thank you. We praise you for all that you do. In the Lord's name I pray. Amen. All right, Gina. Oh, it's so great to see people. <laughs> and to have my musicians back. Thank you so much. All right, we are going to be in the Red Book today. So if you'll get your Red Book and turn to page 25. Let's have some fun.
Oh, we ain't done it. We ain't done it. Yeah, it's been so long since we've done them. I mean, <laughs> well, how about we do some birthdays and anniversaries? Who's had a birthday since we've been out? Come on, I know there's been multiples. <laughs> Who's had an anniversary since we've been out? <laughs> Buddy, you just all in a bit. All right, we're going to do both because we've missed quite a few. Okay, happy birthday. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, God bless you. Happy birthday to you. Happy anniversary. Happy anniversary to you. Happy anniversary to you. Happy anniversary, God bless you. Happy anniversary to you. Thank you, Daryl, for reminding me because I would have I need a metal balloon, would you? I know! <laughs> <laughs> I'll the other way around. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how you got it, girl. I don't know, man. Alright, page 194. Pretty good, y'all. We got to 50 years. <laughs> <laughs> Just take you. Then there's downhill. 
chapter 7. Acts chapter 7. And I want the title of my sermon this morning is I See Jesus. In Acts chapter 7, it's the story, it's the, it's the story of Stephen as he's being stoned. And, and you know, I want you to think about this. No matter how bad the situation is, how bad things have gotten, how bad things you're going through, think of what Stephen was going through when he said these words in chapter 7, verse 55. And it says, being full of the Holy Ghost, he looked up steadfastly into heaven, saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God. And said, Behold, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. So here he is. He's got people throwing rocks at him. They're ready to kill him. And he says he looks up and he sees Jesus. And I tell you, no matter how bad things got, no matter how bad things are in the situation we're going through, you can always see Jesus. It's just you got to be sure you're in the right situation to do it. I tell you, if most of us, we get in what Stephen's situation is, is when things are going bad, when it seems everything's falling apart. Usually one of the last things we do is to look up and see Jesus Christ. And, and to know some, but I want us to look today at what it takes to do that because we need to see him. First thing, we need to be like Stephen and have the inspiration. We see that in verse 55, one of Stephen's inspiration was the Holy Ghost. He was full of it, it tells us in there. So my question is this morning, what is your inspiration? What's kept you going? What keeps you going from that? Day to day. Think of this. It could, one, one of our problems is inspiration. A lot of times, and especially in the, the period we live in, the things we've gone through has been fear. A lot of us have fear of what's happening and, and, and everything. And, and I've talked to a lot, and it's easy to do. You think about how bad this sickness is, and you think about what it can do to people. One, there's no cure. There's no way to get around it. And so there's fear going on. There's fear of the unknown. There's fear for people who's lost their jobs. How am I going to pay my bills? How am I going to do this? How am I going to face things today today? What about fear of being told that you're sick with some kind of illness? And that's, that's a very fearful thing when the doctor comes in. And it tells you that. You say, well, well, my life's been changed. So a lot of times what inspires us wrongly is fear. Yeah. And when you get inspired by fear, usually you just freeze. You don't know how to react. You don't know what to do. John said in 1 John chapter 4, verse 18, he said, there is no fear in love. Did you get that? There is no fear in love. But perfect love casteth out fear because fear hath torment. He that feareth not is not, is not made. He, he that fear, excuse me, is not made in perfect love. John said this. He said, if you don't have love in your heart, you're going to fear. Yeah. Fear gets rid of it. How do you get the love in your heart? The thing is, what is in your heart? You know, if, if, if fear is your main motivational factor, where is Christ in your life? Have to ask yourself, Jesus is love. God is true love. And when you have him first and foremost in your heart, fear really doesn't have a place to grab hold of. So we need to be sure that we have Jesus and not fear. Another thing that a lot of people have in, as their inspiration is the world. How I many of you have ever had the world tell you what to do? It is easy to happen. And you think, I, I like this verse in Proverbs, verse six, chapter 16, verse 25, says this. It says, there is a way that seemeth right unto man, but the end, therefore, are the ways of death. A lot of times we, we look at what the world tells us to do, tells us how to act, tells us all kind of things, and we go along with it. But here it says that there's a way that looks right. And that's the way man thinks. See, if God's not leading you and you're leading yourself, you're allowing the world to dictate to you what the situation is. Then how are you handling things? It might seem right, but it don't get you through it. You know, I've been there. You've all, we've all been there where, where we think that, that listening to what people says, well, this is what everybody else does. How I many of you ever gone along with that? What everybody else does. You ever notice that there's a very powerful group of people out there. They're called everybody or somebody or those people said. And nobody can tell you who they are. But evidently they make up all the rules. They make up everything we're supposed to do. Yeah. We're dictated to us what the world tells us to do. You know, the world tells us as children of God to be quiet. Not to, not to stand up for, for our Lord. And we go right along with it. The world tells you all kind of things. 
But let me ask you, is that what inspires you? How many of you watch the news? Boy, that could be the most depressing thing in the world to do. I, I love watching it sometimes because one day you can watch it, and then two days later it seems like it's something totally different what they just said. If the world inspires you, it might seem right. But the, the, pro, the proverb writer said, but the end, therefore, are the ways of death. Because let me tell you what the world brings you to do. It brings you to sin. The wages of sin is death. What we need to have is what Stephen had. He, had to, he said there that he was full of the Holy Ghost. In, in Romans chapter 8, verses 14 through 16, it says this. For as many are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For they have not, re not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. But you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. What Paul was trying to say, he said, listen, listen, let's look at it verse by verse. He said, for many are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. There's only one way to be led by the Spirit of God, and that's have the Spirit of God indwelling in you. Yeah. And when you get saved, that's what happens. And, and he, he dwells in you, and you become something different. I like what he said. He says, because of that Spirit, we're not put into that Spirit of fear or in bondage anymore. How many of you remember when you were in bondage to your sins, you were in bondage to your past? They're the ones that dictated you how you act. But, Christ, but Paul said, when we're saved, we're set free from that, and so we don't have to worry about it anymore. We had that spirit of adoption because God has moved into our heart. Amen. And we have that ability to say, Jesus, help me. He's with us always. It says, I like what he said there at the last verse there. He said, the spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. You know how you tell somebody to say, watch their fruits, watch their life. Yeah. Because if Christ is in your life, he's the one that's leading you. So you had that spirit. We also know that, that to see him, you got to be like Stephen. I like Stephen. He had a great testimony. He had an awesome testimony. You know, listen to this. In Acts chapter 6, verse 8, it says, And Stephen, being full of faith and power, did great wonders and miracles among the people. Stephen did a lot of things. Why? Because he was indwelled with the Holy Spirit, and the Spirit led him, and he did what God told him to do. So he did all kind of things. That was his testimony. Notice it didn't go into saying that Stephen had a nice car. It didn't say he had nice this, he had nice that. It said that he was full of the Holy Spirit. It said that he had faith and he had power. How many of us, our faith speaks before our words? A lot of us, what we've said says more than what we do, don't it? How many of you have ever opened your mouth and inserted your foot? I do that quite often. And sometimes we get ourselves in trouble that way. But here he was known because of his actions. See, when you've got Christ, you've got love in your heart. And it shows in the things that you do. That doesn't mean we're perfect, does it? Is anybody perfect here? The altar's open. There's none of us that is. But when you're a child of God, you become more like your father. How many of you could look now in the mirror and see, well, I see mama or I see daddy. Isn't it amazing? You know, when you start looking like them. Uh, how, many of you, how many of you as parents remember when you heard your words come out your children's mouth? Wait, what about you that are grandparents now? How many of you have heard that? When, when you've heard your children get on to you, they, their children the same exact words that you use. See, we become more like our parents a lot of times. So let me ask you, who are you more like? If you're in the adopted family of God, then you should be more like the adopted father yeah. than like the world. So your testimony ought to speak of it. You know, what does your testimony say? Does it say you're a quitter? You know, I, the Bible gives us examples of quitters. 
Paul talked about one. His name was Damas. Damas went with him everywhere. He, he's, he's listed in a lot of his epistles. Damas sends his greetings. But listen to one of the last things we ever hear about him. Paul said in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 10, he says it to Timmy, Timothy. He says, For Damas has forsaken me, having loved this present world, and has departed in the Thessalonica. Damas, who had stood with him, Damas, who had gone with him, Damas, who had been there, left. That's what his testimony said. Forever, Damas is known as one who abandoned Paul. You had Titus, you had Christus, who was sent away, but Damas left him. How many of us have that testimony? Well, I remember when you were a great Christian. I remember when you used to go to church. I remember when you were serious about it. Well, I'd hate to have that testimony. You ever had this? I remember when you used to be nice. I remember when you used to be a good person. Maybe you got the testimony that you're a worker. Paul shares a testimony, a testimony in Philippians chapter 2, verse 25, of a, of a man we don't know that much about. He said, I, yet I suppose it necessary to send to you Ephidius, my brother and companion in the labor and fellow soldier, but your messenger that he ministered to my wants. This church in Philippi, Philippi had sent this man to help Paul, and Paul sent him back. But his testimony was that he was a worker. He was a fellow soldier. But Paul knew it was more important for him to go there. How many of you are known by what you do for God? Yeah. You know, you, you think about it. We, We've had a, a period of time here where we've been stuck in our houses. We've not been able to get out and do things. Did that stop you? Did that say, well, I'm not going to do anything for God. I'm not going to pray. I'm not going to lift people up. I'm not going to contact folks. I praise God from the testimonies I've heard of people calling and reaching out to folks. Those that, that had to work still doing things for God. Those that, that were at home checking on each other. Those are testimonies that say that you love the brethren. Did you pray? Did you reach out? Hopefully you got the testimony that you're a living child of the victorious God. Paul said in Romans 8, 37, he says, Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Yeah. Did you hear that? We are more than conquerors. See, you could have allowed this time of, that you were stuck at home, this time that the that fear gripped us, you could have allowed it to be your testimony. But no, we're more than conquerors through Christ who loved us. If you came through closer to Christ, you're more than conqueror. If you came through with a desire to get back at worshiping again, you're more than conqueror. If you said, I just want a fellowship with my brothers and sisters whom I've missed, you're more than a conqueror. Because you stayed true to that one who loves you the most. That's the testimony we need. That's the kind of testimony that when things are bad, you can look up and see Jesus. You know, that, that lets us realize that the most important thing is we need a heart that's right. Yeah. You know, Stephen could have been a great speaker, which he was. He could have been full of knowledge, which he was. I urge you to read his, his, his testimony to the Sanhedrin, to the Pharisees. He knew the Bible backwards and forwards. And he was, he was a... He, he was a foreigner basically but he knew scripture you know in Acts chapter 7 verse 60 says and he knelt down and cried with a loud voice and this is Stephen as he's being stoned listen to his last words listen to what he's saying as these rocks are falling on him as these people who have come to hate him or throw him as hard as they can to kill this young man. He's knelt down. And his last words are, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. It says when he said this, he fell asleep. 
See, his last words were father basically as, the, as his savior was. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Father, don't hold this against these guys that are slinging these rocks at me. What a heart. How many of you would have done that? People are attacking you. People are wanting to kill you. People are trying to destroy you. And he says, don't hold this against them, Father. How can you do that? You know, how, you know when you're faced with a problem and you're faced with that, how do you, would you react? I mean, I... I, I wondered, you know, if it had been me, I'd probably pick rocks back up, start throwing them back at them. <laughs> How dare you do this to me? But instead he said, Father, forgive them. He loved them. He was more worried about their souls than he was their actions. Here's somebody trying to kill you, and you're more worried about their future than what's going on right then. Maybe that's why the scripture says, and, and, and Luke lets us know that basically he just laid down and went to sleep. Never in here do you get or read where he cried out in pain or anything. He just laid down. You know, you, he did this because his, his heart showed true. You know, for many of us, one whose heart it's like most of us' hearts, hard. What it shows is anger, not love. Jeremiah tells us about our heart. The scripture tells us, listen to what God said to Jeremiah. He says in Jeremiah 17, 9, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Then it asks a question. Who can know it? And you think about this. How many of us, when faced with bad things, want to get back at folks? How many of you have ever thought hateful things at people when they've done something or said something to you? Let me remind you what Jesus says about our thoughts. Jesus said this. He said, when you look upon a person with lust, guess what you're doing? You're committing adultery. So if you're looking upon somebody with revenge and hatred, what are you doing? You're doing the same thing. You know, I, I've plotted a lot of folks' deaths in my life when I've been angry. And I, I said, man, that's just not right. When, when John asked for Bree's hand in marriage, you know what I informed him of? Of how to dispose of a body. <laughs> He said, how did you know that? I thought it through very well. What does that say about my heart? It's not right. It's, not right. it's deceitful, as the Bible says. It is deceitful above all things. Desperately wicked. Who could know it? There is one who does. Amen. There's one who knows it very well. Jesus knows all about us. You know, you think about this for he for who gave his heart to those who played games at the foot of his cross. Father, forgive them, he said, for they know not what they do. They're down as he's being hanging on the cross and they're gambling for his clothes and they're mocking him. Father, forgive them. Our, our heart tends to run for God and rebel against him. The Bible calls this sin. Romans 3.23 says for all, not just some, not just the bad people, but for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That's including us as Christians. We've all sinned. Yet, you know, God loves us and he wants to save us from our sin. Listen, listen to this. Let me flip over here to John 10.10. 10 share a verse with you about someone who loves you more than you realize he said this he told us he said the thief come not but for to steal to kill and destroy I am come that they may have life that they may have it more 
abundantly. Amen. Did you hear what he said? He said that this, basically Satan's come to destroy you. He wants that deceitful heart to stay the way it is. But he said, but, but I came for a totally different reason. I came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Let me tell you what he did not say here. He didn't say, I've come that you might have all kind of stuff, that you might be rich, that you might just have more things than you possibly know what to do with. He said, I gave you life more abundantly. Life is not things. Life is living. Life is enjoying. You know, you know what li- a, a wonderful, abundant, full life is? It's to have people who care about you. It's to have a family. It's to have loved ones. It's to have a savior. It's to have assurance of the future. I came to give you life. He came and gave us the gift of salvation. He told us in Romans 5, 8. But God commended his love towards us. And while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Can you imagine that kind of love? Imagine the the thoughts you think. Imagine the things that come out your mouth. And yet Christ says, I came to die for you. None of us are good enough for it. The Bible says we're all sinners. And the wages of sin is death. That's what we deserve. But Christ says, I came to die for you. We, we, we get this gift. And it, it's amazing. It, it comes from not from the things we do, but it comes from the faith of the things that we believe in. You know, it, it's a wonderful thing. Let, let, listen to this. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. Tells us this. It says, For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourself it is the gift of God. He said, Not of works, he said in verse 9, lest any man should boast. Christ said, I came, I paid the price, I gave it all, that you don't have to. Amen. You just got to believe. Right. And it's, it's hard sometimes for us to accept a gift. You know, isn't it amazing on Christmas morning, many of us would take one and we'd love it and say, yes, thank you for the gift. But when Christ says, I've came to take your place, we're like, well, Lord, let me just prove it to you. Let me try to be a good person. You can't be good enough. Not, not for what needs to be done. Romans 10, 9 tells us how to do it. He says this. He says, If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus Christ, thou shalt believe in thine heart that Christ raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Basically, if you trust Jesus with your sins and you receive new life through him. You know, you pray a prayer similar to the one I'm fixing to lead, pray, then that's how you get saved. You just believe what you pray. All you got to do is say, dear God, I'm, I know I'm a sinner. I believe Jesus died for me to forgive me for my sins. I now accept your offer of eternal life. and Thank you for forgiving me for all my sins. Thank you for my new life. From this day forward, I will choose to follow you. doesn't matter what you pray as long as that's the essence of it. God, I know I'm a sinner. I know I need you. I know you died for me, rose again on the third day. Amen. How many of y'all remember when you prayed that prayer? No, it's not nothing huge. It's, you didn't have to do cartwheels down the aisle. You didn't have to take many, many classes. You didn't have to learn this book from forward, from cover to cover. You just had to accept the one who this book's about. Amen. You just had to, as, the, as he said in, in 10.9, you just had to confess it. If you trusted Jesus, you know, you, you're, for salvation, you need to share your decision. You know what a lot of people want to do? They want to get saved on Sunday and hide it on Monday. Well, then let me tell you the secret. You probably didn't get saved on Sunday. Now, if you're a Christian, you know, my question to you this morning is, how's your heart? If you, if you didn't know Jesus, as you get saved, then, hey, your heart's been replaced. But as a Christian, sometimes what happens to our heart? 
You know, many of you have been saved for a long time. I know I, I got saved when I was 10 years old, but guess what? I ain't been perfect since then. Don't believe me? Ask my mom. <laughs> She'll tell you. We're, we're not saved to be perfect. We're saved for salvation because we can't do it ourselves. And there's times, though, that we, gotta, we, we, we drift away. You know, sin in our life keeps us from hearing from God and understanding His Word. You ever wonder why sometimes you can't get into the Word anymore? Why you just can't enjoy worship anymore? Probably because there's a root cause of sin in your life somewhere. Listen to what James said in James chapter 1, verses 21 through 24. He told us this. Now, he's talking to the church when he says this. He says, Wherefore, laying apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. He says, get rid of the stuff that's causing you to have problems. You can't come on church on Sunday and think, well, I did my good deed. That outweighs what I did last week. It outweighs the things I thought. No, you've got sin there. You need to get rid of it. How many of you have ever washed your hands and you missed half of it? Yeah, you know, guys, how many of you've worked on a car and you go and you clean your hands? Your hands look great, but then you've got grease all over your arms. You've got to get rid of all of it. So he says, you know, lay it aside. Then he tells us, be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. You know, it's great if you can quote Scripture, but if you're not doing what the Word says, then child of God, you're in error. You're deceiving yourself. Just because you come to church on Sunday don't make it great. Just because you watched on Facebook or listened to the podcast, that don't make up for the bad things in your heart. He says this, If any man be a hearer of the Word and not a doer, he is like a man beholding his face, natural face in the glass. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way, and straightforward forgetteth what manner of man he was. How many of you have gone out of church and ended up acting just like the rest of the world? The reason why, because there's sin in our life. We need to take care of it. We need to do what the psalmist said. Listen to these words. If you're a child of God, listen to these words. If you don't get nothing else out of the sermon, listen to this. Psalms 139, verses 23 through 24. says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. How many of you would like God to examine you under that microscope of the Word where it tells us that the Word of God is like a two-edged sword that it cuts asunder? You know what that means? It takes you and it removes that. But you've got to ask for it. It says, search me, O God, know my heart. He already knows it. You just got to be willing to hear it. You know, it's like when I say, you know, I asked you the other day, I said, Julie, during this time, did I gain any weight? She was brutally honest and she said, yes. <laughs> I didn't want to hear that. I wanted her to say, well, I know, baby, you look great. But the truth is, yes, I have. What do I got to do? I got to push away from the table. What did I got to do in my life? I got to get away from the things that are dragging me down as a child of God. Because let me tell you a secret. The bad things are still going to happen. What do you look up and see? You know, this morning, if, if you prayed the prayer, if you, if you listened to the first part and, and you don't know Christ, you don't know him for sure, and maybe you say, let me ask a question. If you was to ask, someone's to ask you and say, will you go to heaven? You say, I think so. I hope so. Those aren't the answers. I know so is the answer. 
So, preacher, I've been in church my entire life. I didn't ask for your resume of your religious life. I'm asking you right now, if you were to fall over dead, where would you be? The Bible tells us to be absent with the body is to be present with Christ. But Jesus also told us the story of the rich man and Lazarus. When the rich man died, he woke up in hell. Looking up, his eyes in torment. Looking up, he saw paradise. Could you imagine that for eternity? To see what you missed in torment? He said, well, Christ, God wouldn't ever send nobody to hell. You go ahead and tell you a secret. He don't. You do. It is your own decision. One day, child of God, you'll stand before the Father. You'll stand before Jesus. My Bible tells me we'll be rewarded for the things that we've done. What will you have to give him? See, our life is our testimony. The fruits we produce are our crowns. How many of us are going to stand there smelling the smoke as if we barely made it? See, many people will because we're not being led by the Spirit. We're being led by other things. You've got sin in your life. You need to take care of it. If you don't know Christ, if you've got any doubt, you need to take care of it. So this morning, here's as simple as the invitation we have. If you don't know Jesus, that simple little prayer, believing it in your heart, is what will get you there. If you do know him, what does your life say today about that? Every head bowed, every eye closed. Heavenly Father, as we come to you today, Father, a totally different world we've woke up into than it was just months ago. Father, we have to maintain distances to keep people safe. But the one distance we don't need to maintain is that between you and us. So, Father, during this time of response that we have and this time of invitation, Lord, I pray you speak to hearts. Lord, all over that are watching us live and listening to us, Father, I pray you touch hearts, dear Heavenly Father, Lord, if there's someone that doesn't know you, that, Lord, they pray that simple prayer. Lord, if they, if they have to, they, they can back up and listen to it again. But, Lord, they just need to mean it. They need to confess you with their heart and with their mouth. Father, and as those children of God who are, who've, they, they, they've gotten away from you because of the sin in their life. Lord, I pray that this morning they'll pray, search me, know my thoughts and mean it. Father, I pray right now that you start with me, search me, know my thoughts, know my heart, show me what needs to be removed. Give me the courage to do it. Lord, I thank you for this morning and the time we've had. And Lord, I pray that you'll touch lives. Heavenly Father, have your way during this time. In the Lord's name I pray. Amen. Read.
Thank you for coming for one thing, but also as a reminder, remember Wednesday night Bible study. We're started back doing that, so I urge you to come. If you have any trash with you.